worship, how God, um, the power of the Holy Spirit for me was calling me into a relationship with God and not just the legalism, the choosing the right way or the wrong way. So a little bit of context on how I was raised. I was raised in kind of a culturally Catholic family. It was all about morality. It was all about what was right and wrong. And I was a good kid, y'all. I totally chose right. I, you know, just did it, did it right mostly. Um, it was a, you don't lie, cheat, or steal. You don't have sex before you're married. You don't, like, we just, I knew those things. But it was absent of relationships. So I got to UVA, and I started hanging out with these crazy people like Ramesh with Jay Saria and Corey Widmer and, I don't know, folks that believed in God, and I thought they were all little nuts, to be honest, and um, they started talking about, for them, like, oh, you know, I want to just, I can't wait to get married and, like, present myself pure to my husband, and I was like, that's weird, and um, there were just, like, kind of all these things, but I recognized over time they had something I didn't have, and um, my boyfriend and I, in high school, we literally were like, having sex before marriage is wrong, right? And we were like, yeah, right. That's wrong, right? Yeah, that's wrong, right? Okay, let's do it anyway. Um, and so I was in this place where I just recognized morality wasn't strong enough to save me. I knew what I was supposed to choose and what I wasn't supposed to choose. Um, and that itself, knowing what was right and wrong, wasn't the thing that could save me. Um, and it was God and it was the Holy Spirit revealing himself to me through these people that I recognized had a reason why they wanted to, like, present themselves pure to their husband. You know, I was like, I don't know what that is. But they had a reason because they had a savior, because they had a relationship with a father who knew what was best for them. That's why they were doing it. And so that was kind of that first piece for me um, of bringing me actually literally to a saving knowledge of the gospel was the Holy Spirit saying, you can choose me. You can choose me as a person and not all of these rules. Um, the second really quick thing, just the Holy Spirit um, revealing himself and who God is through people. And this is the one I just want us to hear as a community in particular. I've been, you know, I've lived here for almost 15 years trying to live this life on the Christian community development, you know, principles. And I just want you all to know that I was brought into the family of God through the Holy Spirit working through a group of people making that choice. Jesus prayed in John 17 that they might be one as you and I are one, meaning you, Father, and I are one, so that the world would know that you sent me and that you love them. So his prayer was that the unity itself between the people would be part of his evangelistic plan. You know, regular, straight up, normal, preach the gospel evangelism is super important, y'all, and you should do it all the time. But for me, it wasn't somebody telling me the gospel. It was me witnessing a group of people that were following Jesus together and the Holy Spirit's power in that group of people to say, we are going to be about the poor. We are going to be about racial reconciliation. We are going to be about loving one another. We are going to be about overturning all of these things in our life that don't line up with the kingdom's economy. I said, I want into that. Like, that is a life worthy of what I want to get into. And so for me, that death transition was the death of my own privilege and isolation. And, you know, kind of I love even the testimonies already given about, you know, in Norway, people have everything. I had everything, y'all. I had everything, but I did not have Jesus. And a group of Christians committed to racial reconciliation and committed to a kingdom economy was the revealed power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, 
And my timer's over. Amen. Lawson, that was amazing and inspired by God because it fits in exactly with what I'm going to say. Um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up quickly, as you, as you will. Um, so we are going to do, they're going to do one more song. It's called Reckless Love. We've done it before at this church. Reckless Love has been kind of like a controversial song. And um, I've, I, I myself, I, for those that don't know me, my name is Erin Rose. I'm the worship and teaching pastor here. And I have been reluctant to do it in the large gathering. I don't have a problem with the song, but I think um, I just have had a little bit of hesitation. The word reckless has kind of like rubbed me a little like, but is it reckless? Um, but I, I want us to do it today for a reason. So we're talking about God's, God's power enables us. God's power equips us to give God's sacrificial love. The only way we can love the way that God asks us to is by the power of God. And the way that God asks us to love asks everything of us. But God is not asking us to do anything that he did not do. So when we think of the words reckless love, when we think of the song, I want you guys to think of a love that is so extravagant, a love that is so scandalous that a king would get up off of his throne and come down to be like one of his peasant subjects who really are rejecting him anyway. And within the reckless part comes like this. There's a risk to what God did. And let me, let me elaborate it like this, because reckless is like without giving thought or without caring about the consequences of an action. The risk is this. God saved us, yes, from an eternity of darkness and from um, hell or eternity of separation from him. He saved us from a life without purpose, but God also saved us to be lights in the darkness. But let me tell you something. When God saved us, it was an instantaneous thing. God saved us, and he sees us, and he calls us holy. He calls us righteous. He calls us good. There's nothing that we could ever do to change that. Here's the risk. God did that knowing full well that we could live the way we wanted any, either way. That's the risk. That's what God said. I know that I could save these people, call them righteous, call them holy, and they can live like the world forever and ever and ever. But that's the risk I'm going to take because I love them so much because they belong to me because they need a savior. It's not that God didn't know uh, the consequences of his actions of sending himself. It's that God said, you know what? I don't care how it looks to the cosmic realm. I'm going after my son and my daughters. So hear these words of reckless love. You guys can sit, you can stand, you can lay out, you can cry, you can fall out, whatever. You can just, but I just ask that you heighten your awareness to the Spirit's presence here. And just be aware of God's overwhelming love. Father, we thank you for your everlasting, never-ending, unrelenting love that came and rescued us before we knew we needed a Savior. God, we thank you for your beautiful sacrifice. 
We thank you for the love that motivated that sacrifice, that love that covers us, the love that um, heals all of our wounds, the love that bears us up. God, I thank you for your presence here today. God, I pray that you would be glorified and exalted in everything that goes on. Lord, I believe that you've already begun the work of preparing the hearts of the people. God, Lord, I pray that your word will fall on good ground. Lord, I pray that your word will fall on good ground. Lord, preach your word to me first, God. Lord, I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth would edify your people and everything that's just me would fall on deaf ears. Lord, I pray that your people would be edified and built up so that they might give you glory as the holy temple of righteousness that they are. God, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is stretching itself out in each one of us, expanding itself in each one of us, making us more like you. God, I thank you. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your goodness, for your grace. You're forever exalted. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys. So the big idea for today is God's spirit empowers us to give sacrificial love. Now, here's what I would want you to do. I know we come to church. This is like y'all are super faithful. Y'all are here. Y'all are present. But I'm going to ask you guys for an extra level of presence. We know that there is a type of listening, that, listening that's like active listening and passive listening. Now, I'm not asking that you have to give me any verbal, like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, don't do that. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking that you allow the Spirit of God to speak to you. Like, be active in listening to the Word today. Because I believe God will say what God wants to say. And there will be a Word for you that applies to you that will spring up life in you if you would hear it and obey it. So I'm just going to say, take a couple seconds, get your body loose, assume a comfortable, a comfortable position, and literally heighten your awareness of the Spirit of God, because God's presence is here today. And ask God to soften your heart to hear his own words to you. God will do it. Do y'all believe God is here today? Do y'all believe God wants to speak to you today? Yeah, that's what we're all doing here. I like the song, overflow in this place. Fill, I started the wrong part. Fill our hearts with your love. Your love surrounds us. Here we go. You're the reason we came to encounter your love. Your love surrounds us. Right. The Lord is the reason we can't. Listen. He, listen, if we ask the Lord for some bread, he's not going to give us a stone. Right? So listen, if we ask him for fish, he's not going to give us a serpent. If we ask God, would you meet me here today, the Lord will do it. I believe it. I believe it for you if you don't believe it yet. Okay, so we are in Ephesians chapter 5. So my section is very extremely long. Um, it's like the first 21 verses of the fifth chapter of Ephesians. But what I want to focus on today is the first two verses of the fifth chapter of Ephesians. And it says... Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. I'll read that one more time because this word is for you. This is instructions for Christian living. Imitate God, therefore, in 
everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So I want to talk to us about three things. The first thing is the cost of God's sacrificial love. Not the cost to us, but the cost to God. The cost of God's sacrificial love is one. Two, the gift of God's sacrificial love. The gift of God's love to us. And three, the way of God's sacrificial love. There's a... um, Uh, translation of these two verses where it says, walk in the way of love. So we're going to talk about the cost of God's sacrificial love, the gift of God's sacrificial love, and the way of God's sacrificial love. So what did God's love cost him? It It cost him everything. I like to think about it like, well, I feel like God is kind of cheating. Like, did it really cost him anything because he knew where the end from the beginning and he knew that he would have the victory. He knows he has all power. Like, is it really like taking anything from God for him to do what he did for us, for him to send himself, for him to send himself, uh, send his son to die for us? No, it is not taking anything away from God, but it did cost God. We'll talk about that a little bit more. So verse 1 of chapter 5 says that we are called to live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. So Jesus, one, lived a sacrificial life and died a sacrificial death. I'm going to say it one more time. Jesus lived a sacrificial life and died a sacrificial death. What did Jesus live? And how did he die? Okay, let's just talk about Jesus coming to earth in the first place. Put up the slide for Philippians 2. In Philippians 2, uh, verse starts at verse 6, and it says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Y'all, Jesus was, is, and always will be God. And the person of Jesus Christ, the member of, that member of the Trinity said, you know what? I am eternally enthroned in power and might, but you know what? I'm going to step away from that on behalf of these sons and daughters that so desperately need a savior. A savior. He did not cling to his identity. Let's, listen, it, I'm going to go on. It says that... Um, Yep, it says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Yo, giving up privilege is tough. I know we know that to be true. There's some privileged folk in this room. And some of you might be thinking, I'm not privileged. She's talking to white people. No, I'm talking about a lot of us. There's a privilege that a lot of us have. Even being an American citizen is a privilege. Like, would you literally throw off your citizenship to go to someplace else and for them to reject you and forsake you and to kill you and not to have a, you know, a safety net with the American government? I dare say not. That's literally like Jesus literally took on the form of humans. That, that The form of humans is so like inferior to who Jesus is, to how God was existing. That's like me saying, you know what? I feel called to snails. I'm going to be a snail. The snails need to be saved under my mighty hand, and I will become a snail, and they will kill me for their sake, and I'm going to be glorified in that. It's like that. That's what God did for us. Or for another example, that's like me, a black woman, a woman of the diaspora, 
you know, a descendant of slaves, people that were brought here against their will across the Atlantic Ocean and survived generations and generations and generations of oppression and um, not having rights and not being called a human. Listen, that's like me saying, you know what, I will sell myself into slavery on behalf of Clay Cundiff, even though he hates me. It's just like that. It's just like that. And that's what our Savior King did for us. He knew who he was, but he did not cling to that because the sacrifice to Jesus was worth it. Not, it's not even that he just lived a set, not even just that he chose to come down and live a life and live here among us to become a human. It's the life that he lived was in full and total obedience to the Father. Jesus walked on the earth and lived a life of full obedience and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Isaiah 53 says, and there's no slide for this, you're just going to have to take my word for it or turn to it. Isaiah 53 says, listen, let me tell you about Jesus' sacrificial life, okay? Let's just talk about the life that he lived. It was a hard life. Isaiah 53 says, and Isaiah 53 is prophesying of Jesus Christ, and we know this because Jesus quotes it later on. He's like, listen, y'all ain't, y'all ain't noticed, but Isaiah was talking about me. This is me. It says of Jesus that there was nothing beautiful or majestic about Jesus' appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Y'all, it's hard. Listen, people like attractive people. That's why it's called attractive. People are attracted to attractive people. And it says that there was nothing attractive about Jesus. There was nothing about Jesus' outside demeanor or exterior that would draw people to him. That had to be difficult. It says that he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was rejected by men. He was despised. And we did not care. And that sounds like the worst. Jesus won't find. I mean, people was ignoring him. He came to save people, and they were trying to kill him. Once he began his public ministry, people were after him, after him. He came to save them from ultimate death, and they were trying to give him ultimate death. It sounds like a rejection to me, but he came anyway. He obeyed the Father anyway. He healed people anyway. He preached the gospel anyway. Jesus lived a sacrificial life at great cost to himself. Jesus never married. Jesus never had any kids. He never had a legacy of his own. Listen, he lived his life completely lost in the will of the Father. That is a life of sacrifice. Jesus was a human. Like, I think, I mean, we know this because we know that Jesus died, but Je like, y'all think Jesus's feelings won't hurt? When Jesus went to his hometown, he was like, look, this is what I can do. Like, listen, if you eat of my flesh and drink my blood, I know what I'm saying is weird, but there's something in you that has to recognize that what I'm saying, there's authority behind it. And the people in his neighborhood, the people he grew up with said, get out of here. You don't know what you're talking about. And Jesus is like, yo, I know what I'm talking about. I know you. I know you better than you know yourself. I know the number of hairs on your head. I know what you cried about when you went to sleep last night and you're rejecting me. I came to bear your iniquity. I came to take away your shame, and you're kicking me out of your synagogues. You're kicking me out of, out of your towns. That was the life of sacrifice that Jesus lived for you and for me so that we could have the right to eternal life. You and me, that is the sacrificial life that our God lived. Jesus also died a sacrificial death. I'm not going to go down the road into, like, how Bar, like just horrible his death was and how brutal it was 
But if I, I, I'm looking further in Isaiah 53 and in the gospel accounts, and we see that Jesus' death also came at great cost to himself. Isaiah 53 says he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Y'all, that alone, him not saying nothing is burden enough. Listen, somebody looks at me wrong, and I'll be like, she got an attitude today. She won't pray. Somebody cuts me off in traffic, and I am cursing a blue streak. Somebody hurts my feelings, and I'm talking about them behind their back. Somebody falsely accuses me, and I'm calling this one, that one, and the third. But our God, Jesus Christ, went like a sheep before his shearers and did not open his mouth. Why? For you and for me, so that we could have access to eternal life. Our God died a sacrificial death. He was sacrificed sacrificing every single step of the way, every word that he spoke, every prayer that he prayed, every person that he healed, every decision that he made was an ultimate sacrifice to God on our behalf. He was falsely accused. Scripture said he had done no violence and there was no deceit found in his mouth. He did not please, he did not plead his case because he knew what he had to do. In verse 10 of, of, of Isaiah 53, and this is a tough part, it, said, it says it was the will of the Lord to crush him. It was the will of the Father to crush him. Can you imagine walking the earth knowing, knowing, knowing that it is your destiny, it is your, what you're here to do is to be crushed. That had to be sacrificed. But Jesus literally said, not my will, but yours be done again and again. He only did what he saw the Father do. He lived a sacrificial life, and he died a sacrificial death. It says it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. He bore the sin of many and makes intercession for us. Our God lived a sacrificial life and he died a sacrificial death for you and for me. That is the cost of God's sacrificial love. I could talk more about it, but it's already after five, way after. Number two, the gift of God's sacrificial love. And the gift of God's sacrificial love is what we've been talking about for the past seven weeks and is what I've already referenced the gift is the gospel that is for you and for me. All that Jesus did, he was motivated by love for us. Jesus was motivated by a sacrificial love. We get the long end of the stick. We make out great in this bargain. We benefit. We did not do anything to earn it. In fact, we didn't even know that we needed it. We were stuck in our sin, following our own cravings, um, powerless to resist them, and boom, a Savior comes and saves us from the futility of our own thinking, the futility of our own selves, from our lacks of self-control. He gave us rest from our striving, healing for our wounds, and power in our weakness. We were the walking dead, zombies on the earth, only animated by our need to consume, only animated by our need to feed. But our God breathed new life into us and made us new creations so that we could give glory and testify of him in the heavenlies. That's what our God did, and that is the gift for us, the same power that God exerted when he raised Jesus up from the dead, he gave freely to us. And just like the song says, we couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But still he gave himself away. And it wasn't, listen, it had to be not of our own works. It had to be not of our own goodness. Because let me tell you something. God says, ain't no flesh going to glory in my presence. God has not given none of us any opportunity to boast because we take the opportunity. Listen, we don't have opportunity and we take it anyway. So God was like, 
like, no, the glory goes to me. It has nothing to do with what y'all did. Grace is freely extended to us, and it wasn't because of the good things that we've done. He made us brand new and the creator of the world and everything in it. In this beautifully complex world, think about the world that exists today with all the systems. I'm not a science person, so if I were, I could elaborate on how complex the world is. Some of you guys like science. So think about how complex the world is. Literally, God created all of that, all that we see, all that that's all that's in it. And God's word calls us his masterpiece, the church, the new creation. We are his masterpiece. We give glory to God in the heavenlies. Our God, who was so rich in mercy, loved us so much that he brought judgment down on himself. He left his own throne for us. He left his throne for us and then exalted us to sit in heavenly realms. We are now united with Christ Jesus, and we have the esteemed honor of being known throughout the ages as the proof of the incredible riches of God. We are showing off in the cosmic realm that our God is God, that Jehovah is God. There is no God like our God. The wisdom of God cannot be beaten. The wisdom of God cannot be outsmarted. The plan of God could never be thwarted. We are the evidence of that, and that is a gift to us. The expression of God's sacrificial love has given us a gift that no one could ever imagine, but it was the gift that we needed. Verse 1 says, therefore be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. And that is the most, to me, the most beautiful gift of all. It wasn't that God just says, you know what, just come and y'all can just be my helpers. Just come on, y'all can just, you know, whatever. Y'all can be my slaves. You guys can kind of like... I'll let you into heaven maybe, but you guys are like clipping the angels' toenails. That's your job. No, literally, he saved us and he made us sons and daughters. We are now fully a part of the family of God. Just like Jesus is our elder, he was the first part. Listen, the firstborn of many sons, that's who Jesus was. Guess who the sons and the daughters are? That's us. We are sons and daughters of God, just like Jesus Christ. So that's the gift of God's sacrificial love. It brings us into newness of life. So now let's talk about the way of God's sacrificial love. How do we act? How do we live that out? How do we act that out? Well, we see in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5 that the love of God came at great cost to him, and it is a great gift to us. But if we look at that verse one more time, Elena, can you throw it up one more time? If we look at uh, verses 1 and 2, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear, dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself. It talks about the cost. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. It talks about the gift. We are his dear children. But there's also a command in there. Be imitators of God. Imitate God, therefore. What we are being asked to do is to live a life of sacrificial love in the way that Jesus Christ lived a life of sacrificial love. Okay, y'all remember all I said about the life that Jesus lived, the sacrificial love? That's, he asking us to do that. That's what it says. Go back. Yup. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. This is a super intense ask that God is making. 
very hard. How are we supposed to do it? I don't even, I mean, dang. I don't even want to sacrifice for my own self. Like, it's literally like, I mean, I guess I could, um, you know, exercise or something. But I don't want, you know, I'll just eat tacos. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's literally, I don't even want to, I don't even want to afflict myself for my own self's sake. Like, Jesus is asking me to afflict myself for him. That's very hard. It's very hard. But that's what we're being asked to do. We're being asked to live a life of sacrificial love in the way that Jesus lived a life of sacrificial love for us. Listen, Jesus lived a life of sacrificial love for who? And so who do you think we are called to live a sacrificial life of love for? Each other. Yes. Trick question. The answer is usually Jesus. Not quite this time. We are called to, I mean, of course, it's in like reverence and honor to God, but we are called to live a life of sacrifice, a live a life of sacrificial love for each other. The church is supposed to love each other the way that Jesus loved us. Huh? Are we doing that? Are we, um, the song said, no mountain you won't climb up, shadow you won't light up, coming after me. When was the last time you loved your neighbor like that and not your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your spouse? I'm talking about the, person, the people that are here in this room, when was the last time you knocked down, tore down some lies and knocked down some doors for the people in this, in this room? That's what we're called to do. We are called to live a life of sacrificial love for each other, not even just for each other. We're supposed to love each other like crazy, but guess what? So the world can see that our God is God. Listen, this is the ERV. This is my paraphrase. It says, Jesus, you know, this is how the world will know that we belong to Jesus. It's by the way we love each other. We should love each other so recklessly and with such abandon that the world says, I need me some good loving like that. What must I do to be saved? That is the goal. The church is on a mission to shine light in darkness. Yeah, we're called to be good neighbors and more than that. We're called to seek justice and shalom for our community and more than that. We're called to live clean lives and more than that. We are called to live the life of sacrificial love that Jesus lived by the Spirit's power. Phew! You don't have to do it in your own strength. Yo, I mean, I just was listening to the song as they were singing it. Um, and I just was like, yo, what if the church loved like that? What if we lit up shadows and climbed up mountains and kicked down doors and tore down lies for each other? What if we did that? And what if we allowed each other to do that? Yo, the world would change. The world would, this is the plan of God. This is the plan that God set up. It's going to work. We, we are called to love each other in this way. Let's walk in the scandalous, overwhelming, never-ending love of God for each other and for the, for the world. We're being asked to follow the exceptionally high bar that Jesus set. Impossible, impossible, impossible. 
But like I said, we're called to live the life of sacrificial love that Jesus lived by the Spirit's power. But guess what? Good news. Hebrews 9 and 14 says that even Jesus Christ, through the eternal Spirit, offered himself without blemish to God. So listen, if Jesus needs the Spirit's help, so do we. You cannot do this in your own strength. If you are not living a life empowered by the Spirit, you cannot do what God is asking you to do. You cannot do it. If you are not filled with the precious spirit of God, you cannot love like this. It'll dry you up. It'll tap you out. If you are, and Listen, some of us might be filled with the spirit of God, but we're trusting in our own strength and our own know-how. And that'll dry you up and burn you out as well. Come on. We have to do it through the spirit's power. Listen, we have to be in step with the spirit. We've got to be hearing the spirit and obeying the spirit. And that's the kicker, hearing and obeying. I'm going to talk about that later. I'm getting ahead of myself. I keep calling this um, the love of God like this scandalous thing. And I touched on it earlier, but I really want to press down on it. God left heaven to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us, to call us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, once we say, you know what, I'm all in, boom, just like that, you're holy, you're righteous. You don't have to prove anything to anyone ever again. You don't even have to prove anything to God. Literally, like that's just... That just is the beautiful thing about it. There's no action that I had to take. I didn't have to be good enough before I could come to Jesus. I didn't have to be holy enough before I could bow before the king. I didn't have to have on my best clothes. I didn't have to have my best weave. I didn't have to have a beat face. None of that. I could come just as I am before the king of glory, and he accepts me. And when I come and I humble myself before him, he says, I love you. I see you. You are mine. I approve of you. In that instant and isn't that good news but the thing about it is that we still have our wills what's so risk-taking what some might consider reckless is that God still allows us to choose to follow in his footsteps God could have did all of that and the church could just live completely reckless. We could literally, not only not shining light in the world, we could be, whatever the opposite of shining light is, blowing other people's candles out. Like that could literally be what the church is doing. And God said, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. But listen, here's, what, here's the ask that God is making of us. God is asking us to humble ourselves like Jesus did. Because we are bought with the blood of the lamb and we are holy and we're free to do whatever we want. And God still sees us as holy and righteous. Listen, God is asking us, listen, just like I came down off of my throne and I left some of my privileges, I'm asking you to do the same thing. The freedom that you have, don't use it for yourself. The freedom that you have, use it for other people. Listen, live a life of hope. God is asking us. God is asking us to live a life that is yielded to him, to live a life that reflects his goodness and his grace. That's the ask that God is making. Listen, we all have a choice to make. We all have a choice to make. Let me, um, listen, I'm going to, Elena, put up the, um, the passage. Oh, which one? Yeah, um, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, greed, that one. This is fun. Mm -hmm. 
All right, y'all, I'm going to read this passage. We've already asked the Holy Spirit to open and heighten our senses, our awarenesses of what God wants to do in us. Listen, but I'm going to ask you to be open as you hear these words. If your heart is stiffening up right now, getting ready to get hard and getting ready to resist what God wants to say, I just invite you to relax. You might be surprised at what God wants to show you. Because let me tell you something, if you belong to Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation in him. And if you do not know Jesus, he wants to take that condemnation away. So be open to what the Spirit wants to say to you. So I'm going to ask you, listen, if there's like a word or a phrase, ask the Spirit to allow a word or a phrase to jump out. We're not, listen, you don't have to tackle all of this at once. This is a laundry list of things that God is saying, like, this is what it looks like to walk in the way of love. This is what it looks like to live a life of sacrificial love, to put your rights to the side, just like Jesus did, to live a life that loves others so ruthlessly that they just have to know me. All right, here we go. Spirit, would you speak to us? And the power of your might, would you just show us where we don't measure up? But, Lord, I pray that your grace and your love and your peace would cover us, God. Lord, I pray that the awareness that there is no condemnation in you would just overtake us. It says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. And don't be fooled by those that try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things that these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music in the, to the Lord in your hearts. And give, thanks to every, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. Just want to hit on a couple of things. In verse 6, it says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. I'm not going to elaborate on that. That speaks for itself. There's going to be a lot of voices that will tell you that's outdated. 
that's not what God really wants, that doesn't apply to you, you're a special exception. This is what the word of God says. And if we're allowing God to speak to us, the spirit will show us where he wants us to grow up and where he wants us to mature. The second thing I uh, I wanted to touch on, it says um, in verse 12, or verse 11, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. There's another version that says, don't participate in what they do. Don't partake in the works of darkness. Instead, expose them. But I don't want us to take that to mean you walking around uncovering people's sin and putting them on blast and causing shame. Literally live a life so holy that the light of Christ emanates from you and the warmth of that light they find safety and they find refuge in and they are drawn to Christ. That's what that's talking about. So listen, don't y'all say Aaron told me to go and expose people's sin. I did not say that. Live a life of holy. God is asking us, would you live this way? You do not have to. It's what I expect, but I've still left your will with you. You got saved and you still kept your will. But will you submit to what I'm asking you to do? That's what God is saying to us. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We still have communion to do. Listen, I want to say this. All of your sacrificing, if you're looking at this and you're like, Lord, I'm ready to sacrifice for you. I'm going to pour myself out. Pour me out. All I am is yours. If that's what you're singing in your heart right now. If that's what you're thinking, but you're not living a life of obedience, Jesus don't want that sacrifice. In In the Old Testament, it says, Obedience is better than sacrifice, and to hearken better than the fat of rams. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, God wants you to hear what he is saying and obey it. If you're not obeying, following this, if you're not obeying what God is asking you to do, doing all of this amounts to nothing. Listen to the voice of God. That's that's what Jesus did. Jesus did only what he saw the Father doing. His life and his will was completely lost, completely submitted to the will of the Father. If you're making a habit of hardening your heart against the voice of God, I would say please don't. There's so much joy in a life of obedience. There is so much fullness. There is so much abundance in a life that is obedient to the voice of God. So in the day that you hear God's voice, please do not harden your heart. If you're here right now and you're just like, I am not ready for this. Listen, soften your heart because God does not want to tear you to pieces. God wants to gather you into his loving arms. God wants to let you know you're his. You belong to me. You're my kid. Won't you act like me, just like dearly loved kids do? I love you so much. I've laid out the way for you. Walk in it. I've laid, I, listen, follow my footsteps. Please, would you do that? Would you please obey? Listen, if you're like, I don't know how God speaks, God speaks through His Word, God speaks through His people. And God speaks to our hearts. 
So we're, gonna, we're about to have communion, but there's going to be a time of response. I'm going to ask the, the prayer team to go to their places, to their posts. And if you're in here tonight and you know that, yo, my heart is so hard I can't soften it on my own. There's nothing I can do to make my mind accept what's being, what's, what's being said tonight. Yo, I invite you to receive prayer and ask somebody to pray over you that the spirit would increase your yieldedness to, to God. Listen, sometimes we don't have the power to work these things in our own strength, and so God wants to do it for us. If that's you today, if you know your heart is hardened, listen, I say, ask these people of God to pray for you, to pray over you, to agree, because sometimes we need more strength than the strength we got. We, we need access to more power than that we have access to. And if you're here and you have not made a decision to follow Jesus at this point, let me tell you something. What I said here today was heavy, but I know I know, I believe that the Lord is doing something in your heart. Listen, the Bible says that flesh and blood can't reveal stuff like this to you. This is tough. Only the Spirit of God can reveal these truths, what God is asking us to do, that this is a life of sacrifice, but it's also a life of abundance. I invite you, too, to make a decision to live for God today. There is time. There is joy. There is gladness here.